But I don't think there's a lot of real tall guys that are getting down well under the ratio like you're talking about. I can't really think of any offhand. Most of them are seem like they're a little smaller. Yeah. I would small and young. Small and young? Yeah. I think that <laughs> might be something to do with it. Maybe I'm just gonna chalk that up for myself since I just turned forty. <laughs> I'd be on a seventy liter board, but I'm forty now, so I'll ride a ninety liter board. It's the Paddle Podcast. Dedicated to high performance stand up paddle surfing. Our mission is to debrief the visionaries, innovators, and athletes leading the charge to define paddle enhanced surfing. And here's your host, Eric Antonson. Hey, all you paddle fans out there. This is the Paddle Woo Podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. Thank you very much for tuning in today to episode six. Today is our first returning guest, is Colin McPhillips, and he is back through email demand. Lots of folks emailing in asking to get Colin back on the show, and specifically people that want to hear more technicality about paddle-enhanced surfing. So he's here to do that today, and our discussion goes into getting out in bigger surf and gets very deep into getting out in bigger surf on a stand-up paddleboard techniques, methods that we've used, what's worked, what's gotten us worked, and then a few that I've tried in the last day that I learned from Colin here during this episode, during recording the episode. So one of them works for me quite well. We also have a big announcement today. You're going to have to stay tuned to the episode for that. It is pertaining to prize money and to Costa Rica. It's going to be fun. It's a very fun thing. So And videos. And videos. And so that's what we start off our conversation with today. We talk about videos, inspirational videos. And what blows my mind is that in our 10 minute conversation about videos, we did not mention my favorite video guy right now, and that's Mo Freitas. And it's probably because we have already had Pat Rawson on the show and talked at length about Mo's videos on the first episode with Colin. So we didn't get back into that again, but he deserves to be mentioned in this episode because this stuff's incredible. So you guys enjoy the show. If you haven't yet, go over to paddlewoo.com and subscribe for the newsletter. You get a free guide to doing man hacks when you do that. It'll make your surfing a little bit better. Thanks for checking in. Enjoy the show. All right, Colin, let's talk videos for a little bit. As a huge fan of the sport of paddle-enhanced surfing, I've been following videos closely now for the last two to three years. And there have been a number from Kiahi to Kai, uh, Zane, that have stuck out as videos that are changing the perception of the sport. Uh, what sticks out in your mind uh, going back the last couple years and then even back four or five years to the first that you were featured in that were really groundbreaking? Yeah, it's funny. If you, if you go back, you know, a long time ago, say, you know, five years ago with like you, you had um, the stand-up paddle movie, which was a big one in California, and it featured a lot of the early guys that were really pushing it and get into it. Guys like, you know, Laird, Dave Kalama, um, myself was in there. And it's funny because we're, I mean, those guys are on like 12 foot boards. I'm on like a solid nine foot board, stuff like that. And then there was, I remember the first year the Stand Up World Tour started, I went to the event in France and I showed up with an 811 and an 84. And my 84 compared to what other guys were riding was like, wow, look at that board. It's like small and kind of a pointy nose. And it was just this, it was kind of like we talked about, it was the race to get smaller. Everybody was in this race. And I'd see, I saw a video put out after that event. And it's like, wow, yeah, I was competing against guys on like literally 10, six 
C4, round nose, boards that are like used for lessons nowadays. And then let's fast forward a little bit to the movie that really stands out for me now is the movie that, that Kai Lenny produced and the surfing he's doing not only on small waves, but then what he's doing on big waves, it's just like mind blowing where it's gone and how quick it's gone and how rad it is to see these young kids really pushing it to like a whole nother level. Even stuff that might not be like, say my forte, what I really want to watch, like some of the real flicky aerialist stuff that some of it might not be, I, I like that. I, I don't get me wrong. I love, but I, I'm a big fan of, you got to have style. You got to have, it's got to look pretty. And there's some stuff that I don't personally might not want to watch as much because I don't feel it's real pretty looking. But on the other hand, I also look at it as just the degree of difficulty in what these kids are doing. And it's just, it's radical and awesome to see. And I'm kind of a junkie too. I'm always on YouTube, this, that, searching out videos, whether it's with a paddle or without. And it's just awesome to see what people are doing these days. Yeah, I completely agree. And I agree with you too about the difference between real power turns, putting a lot of rail in the water, and then flicky turns. But what I've realized over the last, I don't know, probably four to six months, especially trying, I've got a pretty big quiver of stand-ups now. I'm kind of addicted to that too. But you're really limited by your equipment currently. There are boards, like the starboards, hit the lip incredibly well. It's really easy to throw out those tails and to look good doing it, but it's very difficult to do then a full rail cutback and smash into the foam. Justin's doing some incredible ones, but it's not the same. It's not like watching Mo do that. And so I still think that we are limited by equipment and that's going to change over the next, I don't know, two to three years. I'm really excited to see what happens with equipment over the next little bit. And maybe it's not conventional surfboard design kind of mimicking conventional surfboard design that's going to end up working for a stand-up. I like the direction that some of the Tomo stuff is going. That's going to be really interesting to see. For videos for me, I was incredibly impressed and probably have a thousand of the 52,000 views on Kiahi's first video that he did on that 7.4 where he's surfing little beach break waves. It's very similar to kind of a lot of the waves that we have here then he's throwing around the tail. There again, he's not doing a lot of rail turns, but the way that he's surfing the board and the smoothness, I feel like it was the first video where someone was surfing incredibly smooth on a stand-up. Yeah, I do. I remember he, he was really good about putting out lots of little clips here and there for a while. I was watching lots of them. I don't remember like certain exact names of ones, whatever, but I was also really impressed with his tube writing. Really cool angles of like, GoPro footage in the tube and this and that. And I was just like, geez, this kid's getting more barreled in a week than I've gotten barreled in three months. It's making me mad here just watching his clips. But yeah, super impressed. Great server. And that that kid's an athlete. You should see him um, kiteboard. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I see some of his videos. It's just mind-blowing what he can do on a wave on all different crafts of surfing. He shortboards insane. He sucks insane. He kiteboards. He, he's an all-around water athlete who's very who's impressed me from day one. Yeah, those barrels that he was that he got in the in the videos from Indo. Um, I want to see the outtakes. I bet he got beat down on a few of those because those are some big days. Oh, for sure, and lots of them were like so rad, but they didn't exactly show him coming out <laughs> of all. So you know, 
no matter, you're paying the price. The best footage guys get usually, you don't make lots of it, but it sure is rad, you know, leading up to the disaster. Oh, yeah. I mean, still, I actually was just watching some of those videos this morning, and that first Indo video, it's just mind-blowing, the barrels he's getting on there. I want him to come on the show. I want to talk to him about if the board that he's riding in those videos is actually the production board. It looks thinner, and it looks like it doesn't have as much rocker as the one that I have. Uh, and mm -hmm. also his fin setups for those for those big waves on that board. If it is the same one, it's got to, it's got to be really hard to even surf that thing in those barrels. Yeah, I, love that. I agree. And, and just just touching briefly on like the fin setups, it's it's crazy. Some of these guys, how because fins play a big role and stuff. And when you're in these bigger reefy hollow waves like these guys are getting this footage on i'm very really curious how they're getting their boards not to drift in the barrel and not i mean it's still they're on small boards but they're still big compared to what guys are riding their little pre-conventional short boards and it brings me back to my longboard days of like surfing in, in indo on a longboard the hardest thing was to keep your board from drifting in the barrel and you get a little, your tail washes out a little bit, you get a little side slip in the tube and next thing you know you're into the lip and just getting hammered. And I find that also, it kind of spills over in the stand-up world because we are on bigger equipment. Yeah, a lot of folks are, are closer to the nose in bigger yes. barrels. Yes, which same way with, in my, and with longboarding, that's what I relate it to. And when you're closer to the nose, you have a tendency for your tail to drift a little bit inside. It's almost—it's like called a side slip. When you're when you're nose riding a two foot point break, it's really good to do because you side slip into a three sixty and it's fun. And you keep going, but when you kind of get a little side slip in a tube, it's usually you don't recover from it. So these guys are—they're doing something right with their fin configuration and holding themselves in and locking in, you know, good. Yeah, definitely. I find that. I make a lot of barrels on stand-ups, but I set them up way earlier than I do on shortboards. So on a shortboard, I can see a barrel either do like a little tail snap or, or just throw my whole arm in the wave and kind of slow down and, and get barreled and then thread it. On a stand-up, I usually set up a barrel before I take off a lot of times. I'll see a totally. peak coming and I'll, I'll paddle behind the peak and then take off and just drive through it. and. I don't make a lot of barrels when I need to slow down on a stand-up. It usually is just too much board to deal with and something goes wrong. Yeah, I agree 100%. That's the way I am too. That's the beauty of being on a stand-up board. You, you, could, you set the wave up before you take off. You want to put yourself in the most critical, best place you can be and being standing up and having your power of the paddle of power, paddle power. <laughs> Say that 10 times. <laughs> <laughs> It totally gives you that advantage, and that's what's so rad. Like, I mean, like I, I try and tell, like when I'm trying to, you know, help someone out with competitive strategy or my kids or something. It's like you need if you're not putting yourself in the right place before you take off on the wave, you're already behind the eight ball. You want to be where you need to be, critical, especially if you're getting tubed, because you miss that initial on the takeoff. That's that's the money. Like I call it the money turn. You know, that's that's where you want to be. So with the paddle, it's just imperative. You, you put yourself in that position of the most critical tube you can get or the best maneuver. And um, it's, it's half the battle right there, just setting up before you even surf. Yeah, I agree with all that. And it's fun to start thinking about the playing field of stand-up so much differently than you think about it on a shortboard to where you're already setting up a wave and maneuvering 
well ahead of the wave coming. Uh, right when you first see a set come and you're starting to think, all right, what do I want to do on this wave? And then putting yourself in that spot. You know, how deep do you want to take off? And I like that, that it, it's a big, it's, a, it's an aspect of state up paddle surfing that, that I like. There's a lot more mental gamesmanship involved. I think it's fun. Totally. Yeah. Totally. It's one of the things I love. I've spoken to you about it before and I think even touched on on the last show. The beauty of, of stand-up paddle is being able to roam around a bit and having access to waves that you wouldn't have access to on a surfboard because you're not going to paddle down the beach to on yards. But on a stand-up board, it's really fun to roam down the beach and just start sniffing out waves and peaks. And if you're at a place like some of our favorite spots in Costa Rica that me and you both surf at, you have that beauty of roaming. Let's go roam 200 yards down that way because I think that sandbar is going to start lighting up and you yep. roam and just find yourself into better waves and it's, it's kind of an adventure and you're, you're sniffing out, you know, I'm always just trying to look at the beach I want to get tube. you're just roaming around for that tube and it's a lot of fun and it's strategy too. Yep. Yep. I like just being busy. Just, yep. Yeah, Keeps you moving. Keeping moving. Yeah. You seem to catch a lot more waves and catching them on the way back out too. I love that as oh. well. You know, one of the other videos that I thought was pretty, Kyle Lenny's had a number of them, but his Air 360 video, the first one where he did like a, an air reverse on a stand-up, I think that was the first one documented. Um, okay. And he tries not to claim it, but he kind of claims it and then kind of tries to stop claiming it, which was, which was <laughs> awesome. I would have definitely just claimed it and owned it. Uh-huh. <laughs> but that was like three, three years ago or four years ago. That was an incredible maneuver that started to show a lot of the progression that's possible on a stand-up. Yeah, without a doubt. I remember seeing that also when that first came out. I think it, it got maybe caught a lot of people by surprise because now, like with that paddle, people are doing them left and right. Especially the wave pool event. Watching footage from that last year, the mm-hmm. Standard World Tour wave pool contest, and it was just like the end section was like perfect for that. And I think I remember it might have been Kyle Boss just launched one where I was like, I was baffled. Like, wow, that's the biggest one I've ever seen. And that wave is probably it's really just, hard to surf. That's a, it looks like a pretty mushy wave. It looks fun, but it doesn't oh, look totally. like it's super fast. Yeah, and, and wave pools are weird. I've surfed in a wave pool. Just being on fresh water and stuff, it's, it, it's totally weird. But um, those guys were getting, their little air game they were doing and stuff was pretty impressive. Yeah, speaking of Kayo, some of his videos, he and Ian's videos are insane. The one where, yeah. I think, is it, is it Nias that they're at? Yeah, that, is, that was... To me, their, their footage at Neos was the most insane sup tube riding of just a gnarly perfect wave that I've ever seen. Uh, you know, I bet they were sitting there that morning and they're like, we really want to shortboard this, but we need to get some footage on the stand-ups. Exactly. They didn't show that many waves of them on it, but, but they did show the gems. I mean, they were, they were perfect. And I don't know how the crowd would react to stand-ups there I, you know i don't even know but i, I know you're not an uncrowded place i think if you're going that deep and pulling in there's probably a lot of respect for it because there's there's not a I, lot of human beings that would probably want to do that that's heavy no in that wave he had he was on a small board and i don't know if it was just everything up the stars aligned perfect form or what but he took off as critical and as late as you could, but with just ease. He looked like it was just so easy for him and just came off the bottom and just how he just so nonchalant just stood there in a massive wave. It was baffling. I remember I was just like, oh my gosh, that is the raddest wave I've ever seen on a sup. 
Yeah, I'm gonna throw links in our show notes to all these videos that we're referencing, but that video's, I've watched that, I don't even know how many times, 20, 30 times, <laughs> easy. Very impressive. Very impressive. And that, that kid surfs great. He, he surfs everywhere really good. I remember just watching clips of him from like windy sunset, and sunset's a hard wave to surf. And when the winds, those guys, I mean, it's super windy, big. I don't even know how those guys are out there staying on their seven four subs and and surfing it really good. And I've all I've really liked the way he really draws out like at sunset. He starts drawing his turns out, almost mimicking like a Poncho Sullivan, a, a bigger, powerful surfer that that surfs a bigger board well. Mm-hmm. And I just I like watching stuff like that. And and he's one of the guys that all his little clips I've seen always have impressed me from little wave errors to neos to just really controlling big powerful sunset he, he's very impressive to watch oh definitely and he's another one of those guys who rides custom shapes uh, oh for sure he, he's you know he looks like he's on a small board but it works for him and he i'm baffled how well he could paddle it like actually the last time i competed against some of these young guys it kind of pissed me off how good they could how fast they paddled in their underwater like they're standing there waiting for a wave on their 7-0. They're like chest deep underwater. And then they just bring themselves up to like plane speed. And it's like, God, you're out paddling me and I'm on an 8-0. What the hell? But um, they're, they're making it happen on these little boards and, and looking good doing it. So is there anyone riding a board well under their, the ratio, right under, well under the uh, liters to kilogram ratio that's tall? I wonder how much being, Sean Pointer's what, five, I think he said he's 5'11", but he rides equal mm-hmm. volume okay. to weight ratio, a little bit bigger than he is. I don't know if there's anyone who's, who's you know, how tall is Mo? Mo's probably about 5'10", 5'11". That's pretty And tall. he's pretty thick. Yeah. He's on like a, like what, mid-60s, 70 liter board probably. Yeah, he weighs 75 kilos and he's riding... What did they say? 70, something like that. It's in the show notes from that show. Yeah, he's another one that really impresses me. He, he's a great kid in and out of the water, super respectful, super nice. I really like him, really nice family. And his skills of riding a little teeny board that is under the water is baffling to me. And he looks like he is in more control and falls off less than guys on like big boards. I don't even know how they do it because like I said, I've got my happy numbers and I don't know. It's just crazy to see and, and, and how fast they paddle and chase down waves on boards that are like literally underwater on them. Yeah. Incredible athletes. But I don't think there's a lot of real tall guys that are getting down well under the ratio like you're talking about. I can't really think of any offhand. Most of them are seem like they're a little smaller. Yeah. I would Small and young. Small and young? Yeah. I think that <laughs> might be something to do with it. Maybe I'm just going to chalk that up for myself since I just turned 40. <laughs> I'd be on a 70 liter board, but I'm 40 now, so I'll ride a 90 liter board. <laughs> oh, that's classic, man. So, <laughs> talking about videos, Paddlewood does have a big announcement. You ready for it? I'm ready for it. Let's hear it. We are going to be doing a video contest. You guys out there produce videos, send them in. It will be featured on Stand Up Journal uh, and hopefully a bunch of other places out there too. But uh, send them in, and we're going to do voting online and also have some judges so that people just don't spam us with votes. Good good surfers need to win, but it also will be, you know, genning up some fan base. 
And the big announcement is that the cash prize is going to be a total of $3,000 cash. And that'll be divided up over the top two or three positions. We're in talks about how that's gonna go right now, but it will be a guaranteed $3,000 prize. And the top non-pro, so the top guy who is not surfing for a living, competing on the Stand-Up Paddle World Tour, so it doesn't have to finish in the top three, four, five, you finish six, but if you're the top non-pro, you get a week down here in Costa Rica, come hang out, we'll do a bunch of footage, maybe be a part of one of the camps, who knows. But that's excluding airfare, but you get a free week in Costa Rica with us. So pretty stoked to be, uh, to be doing that. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that is awesome. That is like beyond awesome that you're throwing that out there. And I think it's gonna get a lot of people up and moving and getting stuff put together and it's not only going to help i mean it's just going to be one of those things that gets up on on sub journal and it's going to it's going to get ran everywhere people are going to start just tagging on and i'm really excited to see i know there, there's like two guys come to come to my head right away fisher and kieran grant they're not competing for a living they're young they're, they've done events here and there i've seen them surf they're exceptionally good and I could see guys like that just like, you know what, this is my time to shine. I'm going to get in this and I'm going to make, first make some money and I'm going to blow people's minds and why not? And I think we're going to see a lot of people come out of the woodwork and jump all over this. I sure hope so. I do too. I mean, the idea behind it is just to jumpstart creative content for the sport. It's so much fun to watch the videos and to watch where the sport is and the progression. Hopefully this will entice a lot of folks who spend tons of time in the water to uh to put out some content and i hope that we get to see an entry from maybe one of the uh the, the little mcphillipses that would be fun yeah totally you know what i that, that's a great idea yeah uh, tyson okay grab that paddle and it's good to work <laughs> yeah but then the only problem with that is they're going to tell dad to sit on the beach and film them oh man so maybe that's not a good thing because <laughs> dad won't be in the water <laughs> get dax to do it or kai do they have to take turns yeah, yeah, they'll they'll take turns feeling sure. But no, that that that'd be really cool. And and another thing to to all of you that are listening for the um the free week down there, trust me, that's that that's worth more than the first prize. It's absolutely insane. You'll have a great time. And then being down there, I mean, it's like you could get a whole movie put together with what you do, with the footage you get in Costa Rica. Next thing you know, it's like. Who knows where this can go? It could be the next like start of like the Taylor Steele series back in the '90s of just <laughs> the best ten surfing footage, and you put it compile into one movie, and people cannot see it fast enough. I remember when I was a kid, that's all. I, it was the biggest thing. Who got the last section? Who's the best surfer this year? It's radical, and it's time for this to start happening in sup too. Yeah, I hope that it does, and. The idea is a, a couple a couple notes on technicalities for this, and this will all be in the show notes. But it has to be original content. You cannot submit a YouTube video that you published a year or two ago. It has to be original and fresh. The rules will be posted. You should have music rights to the video because at the end the goal is to put out a free video. So to compile all the footage and put out a free download video of the best that comes in and so that everybody has a really awesome stand-up movie to to get all pumped to and watch that last section like you're talking about um, yeah see, see who gets the last section that's, that'll be a big thing right there <laughs> yep yep uh so dates will be released here in the next week or so uh and there'll be a big 
a big push online to, to get that information out there to everybody. But I'm super pumped about it. I think it's going to be really fun. It's going to be a fun way to spend our rainy season down here, kind of focused on all this fun stuff. A fun thing to focus Heck on. Heck yeah, it's gonna be awesome. You're gonna be down there sitting in the rain just jonesing to see what new footage gets thrown your way. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh, and for everybody out there also, this guy is a footage junkie, so if you pop in some waves that have already been out there, he'll find it. He'll find it and, and you'll get caught. I know. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't wanna get called out on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and don't worry too much about the actual uh, production value of the footage i mean really the goal here is is caliber of surfing not having a 50 million dollar camera and a drone i mean that stuff is incredible but it's really about the caliber of the surfing is what the judges are going to look at and totally i agree i could really see a real like grassroots extremely no money involved just super simple just showing radical committed surfing is something that would stand out to me compared to the person that might have, you know, the camera from a Hollywood movie. It doesn't even matter. It's just all about what you're doing and the smile on your face doing it. Yep. Yeah. And pushing the sport. And that's what it's about. Yep. So, totally. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, Colin. Will you be a judge? Yes, I would love to be a judge. <laughs> right on. Thank yeah, you. I think I've been around long enough, too, that I could... I could uh, voice my opinion here and there and no one's going to take it to heart and I'm not ever putting anybody down and I could be very vocal on what I like and what I don't like and it's not that I don't like you know you or your approach to surfing. I just might like this approach more. So I think it's going to be awesome. And I love – I'm a little old school because I'm old but then believe me, I want to see nothing more than progression and aerial flips and all this stuff and I wouldn't doubt it if we're going to see some 16-year-old – show us some clip of like that he's copying the way these Dane Reynolds is doing an error and we're just gonna be like oh my gosh he just did that with a paddle you gotta be kidding me insane that'd be awesome and I yeah, yeah and I already know there's a kid from Tahiti who I've never seen anybody throw more power into a turn where his tail just blows out like every maneuver than I witnessed he was he was in uh the finals this year, but he also won last year in Nicaragua at the ISAs. Oh, and I think we're going to be blown away with some of the, the aerial tail drifting, tail sliding type shortboard maneuvers he's going to submit. Oh, that'll be, that'll be insane. Yeah, just some, someone I could, a name I could throw out that I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, well, let's make sure that he, that he finds out about this soon. Um, Time frame will probably be about 45 days or so for submissions to come in, maybe 60. I've got to talk to, to some people again here in the next bit, but that'll be in the show notes. It'll be uh, published on the website on Stand Up Journal. So awesome! Yeah, man, I'm super pumped about that. So back to the show. Let's uh, let's hop back on the show here for a minute. A lot of the questions that we've been getting are about technicalities and progression. People want to get better at stand up surfing, and something that is incredibly important because it gives you more water time and saves you energy uh, but it's not exactly surfing is getting out and beach breaks on stand-ups and especially when it's a little bit bigger because you're not duck diving and so I think that'd be a fun thing for us just to kind of wrap about here for I don't know 10-15 minutes just to kind of cover all the different angles of, of ways to, to get out and surf and things that we've tried things that have worked things that definitely haven't worked and uh, just go through it so what are your favorites? Well one of my <laughs> My kind of favorite thing to do is those having those sessions that 
just the stars align and you just like make it out nice and easy. But unfortunately, <laughs> that's not always the case. But I'm kind of a big fan of, you know, if, if I know I'm going to get caught and I'm going to, there's no way I'm like kind of hopping up and over the white water or, or whatever, I like to shoot my board, try and shoot it over the wave basically. Um, I surf at home usually almost 100% without a leash. So when I do get caught, I got to keep my board in control and get it over the wave or I'm swimming. So I've really come to come to like the whole shoot your board over aspect of it. And if you do it right, when you pop up from the wave, your board's pointing out. So it's a quick on and keep moving compared to having to like reel your leash in and turn your board around and stuff. Let, let me ask some questions about this because this is something I've watched you do for a long time. And I try it from time uh-huh. to time. And here's what happens when I try it. So the way that Colin does it is you're paddling towards the wave. And the, generally, it's, you know, a broken wave, so it's a big wall of foam coming at you. And Colin takes a step back onto his tail, leans back, shoots the board up, goes underwater, it looks beautiful and graceful, and, and pops out the other side, hops back up on his board and keeps going. What happens to me when I do this is I hop back on the tail, I shoot the board up, and then I get absolutely blasted by the wave in the face, and I get water up my nose, and I get generally backflipped or somersaulted in some way, and I end up hitting my board. And it's, it's terrible. I'm, I'm really bad at that. So what are you doing there to, to be able to do that? Lots of it is, is my timing, I believe. Um, I know when you're palling out, you, you got to make the decision whether to go harder, back off a little bit, when you know you're not going to make it. Um, so lots of it, I would say, is getting back to timing. When I'm palling towards a wave, okay, I know there's no way I'm going to make it. But if I keep palling really hard at it, I'm going to put myself in a worse situation because it's going to be right on the impact. Or I could just all of a sudden really back off and let it break and get that initial power crunch out of it so then I could flip my board over it and make it easier. So lots of it is just your timing of when you're going to hit with impact. Um, Obviously, sometimes you can't control it at all and you're just in the worst possible place at the worst time and that's when you just got to deal with it. But lots of it is just reading the waves and, and, and thinking ahead of time, where should I be to make this the easiest? Um, and that's kind of the way I approach it. But then you also, my theory also doesn't work all the time shooting over too because sometimes I've had the board come right back at me and basically you get fins in your head. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong. I just look, I take the, the risk and um, I just like the speed of it. It's, it's the way I find the quickest way to get through waves for me. And also, um, when you start letting your board go and let the wave take it and your leash catch, that's how you break boards easier also. Me getting my board up and over, it gets it out of the power pocket of the wave and the power of the whitewater and just gets it into out of, you know, out of the harm's way of breaking too. That's my other reason why I like to do it. What, what length leash are you using there? Maybe that's the difference. I, I use pretty short leashes. Maybe for some reason my board's not getting far enough away from me. Yeah, I use, I just like using a, I use just a, a regular six foot comp leash on a mission, just like you would use for shortboarding. Just the smallest, thinnest leash they make. And my theory is it's after you use it for a while, they start stretching and then they get kind of long and then they usually break. And, but I'd rather have my leash break then your leash, you know, have your board just get stuck and dragged and, and that's how you break boards also. So I'll use a leash for a while when it gets really stretched out and I think it's kind of dead, I'll just, you know, toss and, and start using another one. But I really like using a short leash because 
when I do wear one, if I have too long of a leash on, it's always getting caught my paddle for some reason. Yep. So I'm just a fan of as short as possible. When I'm riding like my 9-0 longboard style sup, I'm using a six foot comp leash, but after it stretched a few times, you can still get up on the nose. It makes it to the nose. So <laughs> I'm all about just thin, you know, thin and short for leashes. Gotcha. I, I've been using Ocean and Earth, the premium premium leashes. I broke a couple of leashes in, on, in cloud break uh, a couple of years ago. I was out there and this Australian guy who worked for Ocean and Earth gave me one of these leashes. He's like, it's the strongest leash you'll ever use, mate. I was sick. So I, I started using those and started stand up. I wasn't using them on standups, broke a ton of leashes, went back to those ocean and earth leashes. This is like a plug for them. I don't obviously don't have nothing uh -huh. to do with those guys, but I just don't break those leashes in two, uh -huh. in, a, in, in probably 18 to 20 months, I have broken two leashes and both of them have been on really big days and both of them were cut by the fins. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, and that's, out, that's out of the control. There's nothing you can do about that. Nope, as soon as you get a little, a little weak, link in your leash it's gonna break yep yeah i've been super happy with those but those are also they're they're six foot leashes but they're a little bit thicker they're not the okay. comp leashes yeah so, it's funny i've been really over the last two years now i've been very much just going no leash i've i for some reason i all of a sudden one day i just decided you know what i i don't ever wear a leash longboarding i feel really good and like just free and fast without having a leash on for some reason so i just started deciding i'm gonna you know, not ever wear one supping. I used to only wear it on a sup and I never shortboard. I mean, I'm talking at spots around home. Obviously when you go to like some gnarly reefy rock break that if you fall once your board's going to get demolished into three pieces, of course I wear a leash there, but I'm talking like my home spots that I know really well. And I surf every day and I, I've been pretty, I'd say 99% of the time not wearing a leash and feel really good about it. And that's where I've had to really tune in with my timing like I was talking about of no matter what you're thinking about you always got to be in the right spot right place in control of your board or your swimming so that's where I've really it's really helped me improve getting in and out and, and I'll ride like say I'm riding my nine foot longboard style sup and it's a decent swell waves are good and I really try and go see how long you can go without even getting wet that means no falling, paddling out, no getting caught inside, no falling on waves, and I don't have a leash on, and I'll go out even in the wintertime with like my vest on where it's cold when you hit the water, <laughs> and I can go get a solid surfing without really getting wet, and it's, it's kind of a cool feeling, and I've been just kind of basing things off that, and it's helped me improve a lot, I think, without, without wearing one. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Yeah, it's that's funny, and, and I don't know, it's just something, something different, but it's, it's helped, I think. Let's talk about a couple more techniques for getting out in bigger surf. So shooting the board over is your favorite. I've also seen you do kind of like the long board, sit up, get your nose of the board up, and then put all your weight forward, go mm -hmm. over. That also doesn't work for me at all. Yeah, you need, you need a more board for that. I found when I'm on my, little, my really small boards, you don't got enough board in front of you to like whitewater climb up and over whitewash. Okay. Um, I, that's that that goes back to size of board for sure because really small boards like I've noticed when I'm on my short boards I have more wobble nose to tail is what happens to me mm -hmm. so if you're getting your nose up your tail's so far underwater you're already you're, you're already toast so that style of getting up and through waves it's mostly whitewash we're talking about right. you just need more length on your board yeah, well, we're talking about whitewash because there's not a lot you can do when a big wave is uh, breaking on top of you. You're not going to no, no, when that lip's coming down, basically, 
all I try and do is get my board to make sure it's not going to be impacted by the lip because yeah. that's how your board's going to break. I'm just all about getting my board to safety. When when you're in those situations, if there's no there's nowhere to go, okay, how's my board going to take it the best? That's what I that's what I do. Yeah, you know what I do now is I paddle sideways to the wave. I try to be about ten feet back from where the lip is breaking, from where the lip's going to impact. So I'm parallel to the beach at this point, mm -hmm. right before, and then I dive off. I just kind of just do a yeah. dive and. I can get down, I can pin my leash, get down about, you know, six feet to my, to my feet, which a lot of times here, you're actually touching the bottom and then, uh, yeah. And then, and then what I do actually to, to save leashes, what I do is as soon as I dive down, I know as soon as I feel the wave pass over top of me, I start with my arms, start swimming backwards towards the beach as fast as I can and try to like almost body surf that wave backwards so that there's not a, a big tug on my leash. So I try to give it a little bit, you know, uh, totally. yeah. And that, that seems to work. That's good too, and I, I agree. I, I do the same thing. Keeping your board parallel, like have your board be parallel to the wave on impact. Yep, takes away from that that initial hit where your board could pop really easy, mm -hmm. and that that goes back to like my longboarding days where if you just let your longboard just just roll off your board and go under where it's facing straight into the wave, the wave hits it, and it'll, with the length of your board, that's how they break. They pop. Keeping your board parallel, it kind of gives it a little rail to rail, end over end roll to it, but you, you skip the whole popping process of the power initially hitting your board, and you're gonna save boards that way also. Um, what about standing duck dives? You do any of those? I, I don't because I'm not a, I like to ride boards that I'm not already naturally super far underwater, but I have watched like the younger guys that are on these crazy low leadered boards that, that do it. And I think that only works also, that's where your timing's got to be in really good because it's really easy to duck dive when, when the lip kind of goes over you and you just kind of go through it. But yep. it's, I would love to see those guys do like trying to duck dive big whitewash or something. I don't know how they would do that. But I, I have seen them. It's impressive. I, I will say I've tried it one time. Um, I tried to do the full duck dive, the lip go over me, and all I ended up doing was getting – my board wasn't under the water enough. So basically I just – got creamed over the falls like on top of my board and I was laughing so hysterically at myself what that must have looked like that I never have even thought about doing it again because it was so ridiculous. Uh, so I'll hand it to all those guys that do it. I, I can do it from time to time. I'm careful about when I do it. I only do it on two boards, um, my little boards, the, the 80 liter boards that I ride. And yeah. it has to be, it has to be like a, a real good barely wave, but not, not too thick. I've made the mistake a couple times of trying it on thicker, you know, like a 90 liter board, just a little bit more volume. And I've almost knocked my head off a couple times because you're coming up and the board doesn't get in and then it gets stuck in the lip. And then all of a sudden it's coming back with all the force of the lip. Um, I actually thought I broke a finger one time cause the board just smashed into my, into my hand, but it saved my face. So I only do uh -huh. it on, on small. Um, there's really small boards in like medium sized surf. I don't try to do it when it's big and it's more of a novelty oh. to do it. It's kind of just like, if you can do that, you're, you just, I don't know. It's fun to, to do that every once in a while. Um, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's that type of thing. Kind of a novelty, novelty thing to stand up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's cool. It's, it's a fun thing to try from time to time. What about swimming with your paddle? I've, I've gone through that. One of the tricks that, that I like to do is, I mean, there comes a time where, you're not, everybody's pounding certain types of breaks, especially beach breaks. You get hammered on a few. Your fastest way to get moving is, is do a little traditional prone paddling where you're laying down. Mm -hmm. And what I've found myself is when I, one of those times where 
obviously my shooting my board over the wave little theory is just not working and I'm getting hammered, I'm going under. I'll actually, when I pop from the wave, I'll throw my paddle out as I'm, so I grab my board, get on my stomach, start paddling as hard as I can and I pick it up on the way and I find I get more momentum and speed going that way. And um, it's kind of another little thing that I do and I've seen other guys do the two, do it also just a little, not, not crazy spear chuck obviously because you gotta be able to get to it for the next wave hits it. But um, it's my fastest way to get moving. It's just, you know, give it a little throw and pick it up as you're going by at full paddle speed before the next wave hits you. And I can cover more ground that way. That's funny, I never do that. Where do you put your paddle, where do you, where do you kind of chamber your paddle when you're paddling prone? What I'll do is I kind of just, I just, I kind of lay it where the, about midway through the shaft is kind of right around my chest and uh -huh. the blade's almost kind of hanging off the side of the rail in the water and it just kind of it just kind of stays there you know with my momentum um i've done the thing where you know you put it like the blade right in your chest but that just doesn't feel comfortable because you got the whole paddle sticking out up in the air yep. um so i just have this way i just kind of hook it i always go the the handle to the left the blade to the right and i just kind of my my right shoulder chest area just kind of holds it in place as i'm paddling and it's just the most comfortable feeling way and works for me. It's kind of one of those things I think everybody probably has a different different way they do it that, that feels most comfortable. And my only advice is whatever way gets you the quickest moving through the water, no matter how you can do that, that's your, that's your system and just go with it. Yeah, so I also hate the blade under the chest paddle facing forward, I, I don't like that one at all. I take the handle and I like kind of hook the handle near my chest under my armpit with the with the blade pointing back, and so the okay. handle's right there. I don't like anything in front of my face. I feel like if you get really destroyed, something's gonna pop yep. you pop you in the face. So I just kind of keep the handle there and kind of wedge it under, and it, it works pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll, I'll notice too is, is um, when I'm gonna get hit by the next wave. If it's one of those waves, I'm gonna try and like sit on my board and do the full like longboard style hop up and over, I hold the blade, I'm, I'm sorry, I hold just the handle in one of my hands so the blade's just kind of like floating and it just kind of stays next to you, I've noticed. When, when I hit and go over, you don't want to have your, your handle smashing into your board because you can get a hole in your deck and right. I'll just hold it in my right hand usually and then it's right there to tuck back under and keep paddling on your prone paddling. But that's the hardest thing is just finding your little niche in your system that you can control your paddle the most to get moving through the water because your whole goal is to get moving quick before that next wave hits you or gain ground when you've got like 12 that are going to hit you. You want to make, you know, gain some ground on the wave so you don't end up pushed back on shore or something because that's never a good feeling. Yeah. It, what you just mentioned there about the paddle and how you're holding it uh, made me think of something that I think would be fun to talk about and that is, do you use your paddle underwater when you're getting destroyed so you're surfing a wave and you just get absolutely blown up and now you're just getting ragdolled? Do you use your paddle? in that uh, underwater? I don't actually. I've noticed when I'm getting blown up the most, sometimes it, just get, it gets ripped out of my hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've noticed when I'm just down there and it's kind of a, a mild beating, you know, I usually end up just always just kind of holding it in my right hand mm -hmm. and just using my other hand. We're talking, it's one of those instances, okay, I need to get up, I need some air. I, I will use one hand to swim or in that aspect, I even just let go of it because it's going to go straight up where you are anyways mm -hmm. and swim back up. And we're talking that's when you're getting really beat on a big wave. 
but it's kind of it's a hard one under it's it's an awkward feeling holding on to something underwater and what to do with it to get yourself up the easiest yeah it's, it's kind of a weird it's a definitely a weird feeling but it's not a good feeling when you have to let go and swim because that means you're getting beat on pretty good <laughs> The other day I hit the lip and I don't know what I was doing, but, but it was really late and the tail released. You remember that video on, on with the Hobie raw that I was using that blue one where it came around, swung around and almost hit me in the face. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I did basically the same thing again, but I saw it happening this time. And so I'm hitting the lip and I see the board releasing and I actually threw my paddle at that moment and got my hands up in front and like caught the nose of the board as it came around. But that was that was an interesting one. I, I'm, I'm totally, and that was completely side topic. I just thought about it. But the paddle in the wave when you're getting work. One thing that's always surprised me that I've always been, especially when I was first starting to get into stand up, is how easy it is to hold on to a paddle. If you just hold on to the handle with one hand, there's very little, little resistance. Yeah, I agree. Being underwater, everything. That's what I do. Even say tube riding, I find myself a lot. I will just hold the handle say with my left hand and I'll control my speed with my hand in the way with yep. my right hand and your paddle just it just floats right there right where it needs to be and just stays yep it's it's crazy how it just goes right along with you yep and then underwater when I'm getting drug I use the paddle like now I've been getting to do it a lot lately because I've been spending a lot of time underwater getting drug around but uh, <laughs> I'll actually try to get the paddle as deep as I can and just basically pull on it to try to get free of the wave. And then once you're free, you kind of just, I just kind of crank on it and push up. Other times when I know that it's not too deep, like at our favorite beach break up north a little bit and I'm getting drilled, mm -hmm. I'll actually try to find the bottom with the paddle and push off because that they get okay. so much air in the water there and it's hard to get up, but you can just push it off the bottom with your paddle and you, you know, what is it? Six foot paddle. And then as far as your arm goes, you can stay up in totally. eight feet of water pretty easily. Totally. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good system right there. And it's kind of neat talking about the different ways of getting work because I, I will say I, I wish it happened to me more often because that means I'm surfing like big, powerful waves. But um, in California, we don't get to experience that much of the beatings that the other places in the world get. Right on. All right. So let's bring up the last topic here that we're both going to think about for a little while. And that is the vernacular, the vocabulary for our sport. And the fact that surf terminology does not correlate to stand-up paddle surfing uh, directly. And so it's very difficult to, to define maneuvers. And that's something that needs to happen. And so what are your thoughts on that, Colin? Do you agree? Yes, and I, I agree 100%. And I also agree that, that it is hard to think of. I was racking my brain the last few days just the way I the way I approach into like the way I do a cutback and a slash or this or that and it's like you know how do you relate that to what's already out there in surfing but change it and make it its, its own it, it's definitely hard but it's it's good it's hard and it's gonna be fun too and who knows what people are gonna come up with yeah definitely maybe folks can send us some emails on on possible naming topics or maybe this is a really stupid idea too but it's difficult to say and, and let's define some of the turns that don't really have uh, names and so like I call it the Colin turn a lot <laughs> maybe just call it that and that is you know big front side hack where your paddle is on your toe side coming in pulling from the outside of the arc of the turn 
and then follows you around kind of, uh, and you're leaning back on the paddle, as opposed to like the turn that Justin Holland has down pat, which is paddle on the inside of the arc of the turn and really wrapping around the paddle, using that as a pivot to come around. And those are two front side turns that don't really have uh, a differentiation in terms of name. It's basically their front side turns, but they're completely different. I mean, the mechanics yeah, of those turns are completely different. Night and day difference um, between the two turns. And those two turns basically translate into the rest of the maneuvers you're doing. The way guys are hitting the lip is what where they're holding their paddle going into it to the side behind them. It's kind of like the, the, those two different ways translate into all aspects of subsurfing. So maybe it's as simple as defining having having kind of like a like a little tag name in front basically that defines where the paddle is for the turn. So like a toe snap would be the paddles on the toe side or I mean that's a, that's uh -huh. pretty terrible. But uh, but maybe it's as simple as that because I think that that might help define the turn so it's easier to talk about. Yeah, or we could just go out and just decide now call it like the frother the frother cutty and the column turn or something. We'll just me and Justin just take credit for it all. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I wonder how other people would feel about that. <laughs> we can vote on that. Everybody, you tell us what you think. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But yes, it, it is. It's really funny because I've, I've discussed with people in the past where like, geez, you know, the difference between these two. I'm like, yeah, I'm just I follow my paddle, or you use it like a ski pole and go around it. You know, but that doesn't sound real. That's that, that's not like a flattering turn terminology to our surfing styles. You know, it's more just me joking around. So that's another good thing, man. You, everybody out there, let us know what you think. Let us know what what it should be called. Yeah, backside. It's the same way. You've got the same the same issues. Backside. It's it's uh, backside and supping is is hard. You know, I, I've noticed a lot of guys seem like they're a lot stronger on their forehand with the way they use their paddle and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm raising my hand right now. Totally. The whole world is raising their hand right now. I don't know anybody. I, I'll go out on a limb and just, just because it's a kid that I've been watching a lot lately and, and he lives in my town now, but I also did a trip back east with him, is Giorgio Gomez. Uh -huh. That kid's backside supping, sup surfing, is as strong if not stronger than his forehand. And I don't know what it is. Maybe he's just he's gooey foot and surf rights a lot or something, but um, he's got it down where I don't feel like I'm being mean saying a lot of people don't have it down as well. Cause I think most people will agree front side's easier than backside when it comes to using your paddle. Yep. And that kid's pretty radical. And he's another kid now that I just said his name that I'm kind of excited to see what video content he shows up with in this contest. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. excited to see that one too. And and about the point of him being one of the best at backside surfing, I would argue that the starboard team is really good at backside surfing. And I might even go as far as to say that there's some equipment advantages there as far as how light those boards are. I mean, have you picked up some of those carbon fiber starboards? Yeah, they're pretty crazy how light they are. And supposedly they're like unbreakable, they say too. I had a... 7-4 Airborne as, I don't know, like a board I got pretty early on. And Oscar still has the board today. I broke off a fin hitting a reef out here, but the board's still perfect. I mean, it doesn't have any dings except for where I ran it into a reef and broke off a fin. And that's yeah. got to be two years ago. 
Wow. Yeah. That that says a lot right there. But they're not cheap though. Yeah. No, I've, I heard they come with the price tag too. Yeah, but they're incredible boards and they last. So you just kind of you just make sure you find a shape that you like and then you'll be stoked on it for years. I am a firm believer also in, in the weight. Um, I ride really light boards. I've always ridden back to longboarding days to now, you know, in the professional stuff world. I'm, I'm a firm believer on lightness and unfortunately it goes both ways. Some of the best working equipment is light and fragile and doesn't last. But when you ride stuff that sometimes might be more durable, you, you, you pay the price, you feel how it performs. And it's just one of those things, you know, you gotta, if you want to surf like you're on a hot rod, you gotta, you gotta get the hot rod under your feet. Yep. Yeah, I was super disappointed the last board that I had shaped came in about two or three pounds heavier than I wanted it. They put in all this extra carbon fiber and did a six ounce glass job on the bottom. And uh -huh. um, it's a good board. I like the feel, but it's just slow because of it. Just It's just comes totally. off the bottom. Right now I'm trying to decide if I ride that board. It's a 7726 or a JP that I love paddling, but don't absolutely love surfing. It's a good board. I think that if there's a little tweaks they could make to that board and it would be one of the best boards on the market in that contest at Boca Barranca coming up next weekend. And so, I don't know, it's gonna be a game time decision, I'm sure. Yeah, I would just, I would suggest uh, having them both there with you and just the one that you just gravitate to and you got that feeling. Um, that's what I would do a lot in the past. I have kind of a, a three board quiver of my go-to boards and it's just it's that game day decision of what you're feeling and then don't second guess it just that's it I'll, I'll go to the point where i okay i'm riding this board i put the other ones away they're not even like in the equation anymore once i make my choice and just go with it yeah the hard part is though the boards that i'd like to surf i don't want to paddle in a contest yep in boca Barranca is a is going to be a paddle fest of a wave because those waves are long mm -hmm. it's one of the best waves I've ever surfed. I love the spot, but, um, it's a long paddle and you can't be like underwater and not moving. You got to be on your toes and booking it back out there. Cause you only have so much time to, to catch two or three waves in a heat. And those waves are crazy long. Yeah. And it's supposed to be pretty good. They're calling it uh, oh. four feet at 14 seconds from like 190. So that's perfect window. Won't be too big. I don't like that wave when it gets real big. We went down there last year on a really big swell, like seven feet at 17 seconds or something like that. And it just broke. You had to paddle out, get across the river, go to that next little beach, paddle out, and then two waves and you were down trying to get out before the shore break at that little jetty pier thing. Uh, yeah. And then walking all the way back. Yeah, that's one of those. That's one of those days that it's like, wow! I just surfed for six hours and, and, and rode actually five waves because it's so much work and it takes so long. But it's pretty amazing when you ride a wave for like two minutes. It's a pretty awesome feeling. Oh, it's amazing. Um, I remember a year, long time ago, where the pier is. That pier got washed away up into the hotel. It's so big. <laughs> the fiesta. And, um, all the rooms in the hotel. They moved everybody out that was ground level because the water waves were going through their rooms. I was one of those rooms that had to, had to move up and back and it was radical. It was just big, perfect waves. But talk about, you need, that's back before like jet ski assist. You needed skis out there because it was so hard to make the paddle with the current. Yep. How incredible would that wave be with a ski when it was really, if it was really big, that would be insane fun. Oh, it'd be so awesome. Just dummy surfing. Just you kick out and just whiz, buzz right back up and jump off to the takeoff spot. Yeah. I got... 
I'm a fan of point breaks. I'm a 100% point break guy. I live for point breaks. I travel around the world to just like surf point breaks. And I had the big bright Baja, one of my favorite places to go. It's just wide open, land to right point breaks. I got a ski way back when people first started towing with them, you know, back when like Laird just started. We're talking a long time ago. And I didn't get a ski to tow into 50 foot waves like those guys were doing. I got a ski just in with that mindset of surfing point breaks, pick up at the end of the wave, buzz your back up there just to get more waves. And when you're surfing places by yourself in the middle of nowhere, you're not going to make anybody mad. You can come right in the lineup, no big deal. And um, that was my whole idea. I actually had one for like a year, but it was so hard logistics getting it to the spots I wanted to take it to. I ended up never really getting to test it out and stuff. And nowadays, what people are doing with skis, the accessibility and the waves they're doing, the step-offs, and it's just crazy what guys are doing and how much it helps them. Yeah, I think it'd be super fun. I've wanted one down here for a while, and my wife is really against it. Because <laughs> <laughs> she knows you're already running all over the planet or all over the country now. With a ski, it's just going to open up way more, way more doors to go explore and She's against it because she's gonna. You're gonna say bye at four a.m. and I'll see you at dark every day. Yeah, that or injuries. I think is her concern. Yeah, yeah. I can see that happening. Some of the ski footage of guys like getting tubed at Chopi as the skis going over the falls, over top of stuff like that. Thank God it's all worked out good and it's just made for crazy footage. Oh. But imagine if that hit somebody, you're dead. No questions asked. Yeah, that would be terrible. Yeah, gnarly. Terrible. It, it could definitely have its dangers for sure. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this is a good one. This is a long one. There's a lot of fun stuff that we went over here today. Yeah, this is cool, man. When you're talking about stuff that you enjoy and are passionate and really love to do, I could bow. I just babbled on for an hour and it feels like we just started talking. I know. I'm pumped up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get my board and my paddle and throw it in my truck and go surf. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you, Colin. This was good. It was fun. Thank you very much. Let's do it again in a month or so. Think about a bunch of new stuff. And, and I'm sure we'll be talking about the contest, the video contest, and uh, judging criteria and all that good stuff. Thanks for your for your help with that. And the totally. Participation. All, you, all you kids, adults, girls, whatever, you get out there. And I want to see some – I'm a judge on this, so I want to see some uh, – see some footage. I want to be able to uh, really make my choice difficult. Everybody, I want to, you know, make it hard for me because there's like 10 of you that I just think ripped so hard and I got to really dissect things. So I'm excited to do that. I'm just going to go down to Costa Rica and surf for a week with Eric and just dissect videos and get tubed with him and how it should probably work out too. That's probably how it should work out. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a wonderful, uh, have a wonderful day there, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, we'll talk to you later, Eric. Thank you. Yeah.